Hello and welcome to episode 15 of season 3 of the Connect2 podcast. My God, I can't believe it's already season 3. Where has the time gone? My <laughs> name is Jeff Cullen. I'm Mark Hughes and hello, Jeff. Hey, man. How are you? Good. Doing, doing it on a slightly different day. We are, because my life has just been wild. Well, we're recording realize, on a different yeah, day. Yeah, I realize it's today it's been three weeks since my wife's... 50th birthday party. Yeah, did you see the photos? Eh? I did. They are fantastic. We Paulette downloaded all of them. I I haven't downloaded them yet. I probably will because there's some of me that I like. And uh, <laughs> well, there's some really good ones of her and her group as well. Yeah. Um. So in that time, we've had her friend come. They've been to the mountains. I've been to Ottawa for four days. Hockey stuff. And now Paulette, my wife, is gone for two weeks. She left this morning at 5 a.m. Oh, really? She's on a on a big kibbutz. She's going uh, to the U.S. Yeah, she's going to uh, Orca Island and Whitby Island. Where is that? Uh, Pacific Northwest. Oh, so, so just yeah, near Seattle. She's going to go to Seattle, and then uh, pop back up through parts of B.C. and just uh, so she'll be on for just about two weeks. Wow. So it's just been a whirlwind of. That's why. Yeah. Anyways, we're recording on if you knew, day, but I feel good. If you're new, new to the channel, rate, review, subscribe, uh, check Send us out. Send us cash. Well, we're not proud. <laughs> we, we do not have not, a Patreon. We are not proud. We do not have a Patreon. No, I'll put some cash in an envelope, throw it in the mail. We're good. <laughs> we'll send you a tax receipt. <laughs> uh, today we have coffee. Surprise. Uh, excellent. So surprise, today's coffee is uh, is um, from Phil and Sebastian Coffee Roasters out of Calgary. Oh, yeah. The country is Costa Rica. Tasting notes are chocolate, vanilla wafer, and apricot. Mm. I don't really taste the apricot, mm. but I definitely taste the other two. There you go. And it's called, uh, I, don't, I don't know how you pronounce that, Umania Brothers? I don't know. Oh. It's from Costa Rica, Catuay. Wow. Uh, is the varietal and the processing is white honey. I have no idea what there that you means. Go. Sounds fascinating. Here's a fun idea. What? Go ahead. Move to a small rural town and open up a coffee shop called Adam and Steve's. <laughs> See how that flies. <laughs> Speaking of which, dad jokes. You got any dad jokes? Yeah. This is off a website. I'll be honest. It's supposed to say... <coughs> Excuse me. Dad jokes you've never heard before. Uh-oh. What do you call They're... a man with a rubber toe? I don't know. Roberto. <laughs> yeah, so you never heard that one before. There's a reason. The difference between a numerator and a denominator is a short line, and only a fraction of people will understand this. <laughs> there you go, see? A termite walks into a bar and asks, is the bartender here? I don't... Oh, jeez. Have you heard about the restaurant on the moon? Uh, is it out of this world? No, it's great food, but no atmosphere. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay. How do non-binary people hurt each other? They slash them. <laughs> these are, these are crazy. Pregnant pause. Okay, you got one? I'll call you later. Don't call me later. Call me dad. Oh. Yeah, Ooh, that's, that's dumb, right? There's a reason nobody's heard of these. Uh, okay, what'd you learn this week? Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. My wife caught me standing on the bathroom scale, sucking in my gut. Ha, that's not going to help, she said. Sure it does, I said. It's the only way I can see the numbers. 
<laughs> I don't get it. I have to think about it. Sucking it in so you can see the numbers on the scale. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what I learned this week. Oh, I don't know, man. Again, it's just been crazy. I was just thinking of something I learned in the car. Um, well, I guess there's been another advancement on the uh, fusion front oh, in okay. Japan. They've uh, passed another milestone with... Uh, the uh i can't remember the name of the the reactor this is interesting so there's a a a, a smaller reactor the ITER reactor is in france the that's ITER the reactor ITER i t e r i don't ITER know this one for. or that one yeah but that's the big fusion reactor um prototype that they're working on but there's a smaller one in japan and i guess back before they started building either of them there was sort of it's almost like it was the olympics you know like countries were vying for where it would be and France won probably because it's not so far from the big Hadron Collider. Okay. Um, so France won. So the ITER, ITER fusion reactor is in France, but in the second prize, if you will, for Japan was they, they got funded a smaller one. So they're actually using it to, to run tests, if you will, learn stuff that in on the smaller one, it's about a third the size they say that they'll be able to apply as they go forward with the big one and they're still targeting 2050 to have a like a like a viable so like possibly commercializable fusion reactor and they still have to get it going so this was the second time if i read the article correctly that they've produced more power uh, than they've they put, put in, in which is good and i think they managed to sustain it for 100 seconds which doesn't seem like a long but it's long right when you because the first times it would be like milliseconds. Milliseconds. So 100 seconds is almost two minutes. So, yeah, huge strides. And then did you hear about these worms that the Russians, some Russian scientists found these worms in the permafrost, some kind of uh, uh, clear worms about a millimeter long, so really small. And they figured these things were 45,000 years old uh, based on carbon dating of the soil. And they brought two of these damn things back to life. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. And now so were, there's alien infestation. Well, so it's like out of a movie. It's blown the door off of how because there are certain kinds of organisms that can remain dormant for, you know, a couple decades, like those uh, water bears. Um, but this is a, a a real alien shaking of the foundation of. Now these are very simple organisms, obviously, mm -hmm. and they don't they don't really have a brain, but still, forty five thousand years dormancy. Uh, in ice and the damn things come back to life is pretty wild. So there you go. More stuff to fuel your nightmares, kids. Well, I learned that laughing is good for your health. Laughing is good for your health? Yeah. Ah. Which uh, leads me to the second thing I learned. So okay. uh, so laughing, laughing boosts immunity, lowers stress, right. increases pain. So laughing is the best medicine. There are people who <laughs> are digest was right. Well, but, <laughs> so there's all kinds of mental health benefits, sure. uh, physical benefits and social benefits. So there's these people who yeah. um, do a thing called laughing yoga. Okay. Because apparently. Is this in like in Japan? No. 
Okay, because they do this in Japan as well. They do it everywhere. Yeah, they make people go outside and laugh. You forced laugh. Because it turns out that these health benefits are indiscriminate about if you're actually laughing at something funny or not, or you're just laughing. Really? So you can simulate that is a fascinating. Laugh, laugh. Yeah. And it actually <laughs> makes like that. Yeah. And don't you feel better? <laughs> I do. <laughs> so apparently, um, there I, I don't know. I, I read that there's a couple of studies that suggest that simulated laughter is indistinguishable to your body from from That's actual awesome. laughing. I uh, I am gonna commit to laughing at inappropriate times. <laughs> More so even than I usually do, and then tell people, back off. It's for my health. Doctor says I have to laugh. Go to, go <laughs> to, go to a funeral. Is there anything or, else that you that you uh, learned this past? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Man, oh man. Well, I'll tell you, I learned a lot about. Uh, I learned a lot about my family. That's what it was. Holy smokes! I got mm-hmm. I got to share something with you. So, as is wont to happen sometimes when you spend time with with older relatives they dig through the photo collection you know mm-hmm. and, and old archives of stuff so we were looking at all kinds of pictures of my my grandfather great grandfather uh great uncles i won't bore you with all of that but this one blew me away so my aunt found a letter that my grandfather had received in the 1940s from uh United uh, United Farm Growers or some kind of, not a, not a thing I would associate with genealogy, but it was a letter outlining their findings about some of our family uh, history, Cullen family. But I'll just read you the first part. So, um, Cullen of East Sheen created, which I think is translated, it means born, okay, 17 June 1661, Extinct 15th October 1730 lineage. This appears to have been an ancient family of Breda in the Duchy of Brabant, and it deduced from Arnold van Coolen, who was living there in the year 1300. So tracing back, and then the, the letter continues with a number of specific Cullens from the 1600s, 1500s, 1700s. Nobody passed 1730 which, uh, unfortunately, I'm sure we could close that gap. But I was like, holy smokes, like to trace the lineage back 700 and some odd years uh, is pretty cool. So I haven't had a chance to look up where the Duchy of Brabant was. We think it's probably in Scotland um, because my family originally immigrated from Ireland, but we're pretty sure they moved, you know, at some point because there's a castle Cullen in Scotland. But... uh, Cool. Yeah, so pretty wild. And just see pictures of like my grandmother when she was four years old and it's wild stuff, man. Well, that yeah. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So I haven't had a chance to sit down with the boys yet and, and show them that. But uh I think yeah. Arnold I, I, Van I believe one of my on my mother's side, my um my uh like like a Great, 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 great grandfather or whatever was a Sir Archibald Clode, and there's a uh, in the in the 1600s there is a uh, 
a painting of him hanging in the British Museum. Oh, yeah? Does it look exactly like you? No. Is it one of those wild things we'll see on the internet? No. Time travel. <laughs> no. no. Archibald no. Code. Sir Archibald Claude. Oh, and Claude. It's spelled C-L-O-D-E. Right, which is your middle name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? So there you go. There you go. So what's our theme today? You want to talk about neurodiversity? Yeah, so we're talking about... Uh, it was the... the um, so uh, I, let me... A little backstory. I've been reading... Um, oh, reading or, again. Yeah. Yeah. They frown on that here in this province. Um, well, let me let me start with I I listened to the podcast with Kara Switcher and Scott Galloway. Okay, I'm a big fan of Pivot. Mm -hmm. They did an inter They uh, reviewed and commented on Elon Musk's biography uh, by Walter Isaacs. Yes, and uh, Kara was dismissive because she said uh, Walter never really. Um, comes out and says whether or not Elon is a villain or a good guy. Or, and um, as if people could be that binary. Well, that's a good point. And Scott also made kind of similar comments that basically said that uh, um, Walter Isaacson, like Michael Lewis. So Michael Lewis just wrote a biography that uh, came out of uh, SBF. Oh, yeah. Now, when he was writing it, he was writing it at a time when SBF was on the rise. On the rise, And yeah, then yeah, while he was yeah. there, everything fell apart. Yeah. And same thing with Walter Isaacson. I, I sense he's going to have a lot of time to read it. SBF will. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they haven't done over the Over and yet, over but... and over again. The, uh... <coughs> we might have to cut that out. Sorry. The... <laughs> this coffee is smooth. Smooth. Didn't, that's the whiskey I put in. Oh, there you go. The um, so the thing about it is, as I'm reading it with, uh, or well, I'm I li I'm listening to it, but I'm as I'm going through it, the 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 book from Walter Isaacson is fascinating. It's very well written, like remarkably well written. Um, and I think um, Kara and Scott. I feel like they read a different book. Oh, really? Right. Well, maybe they haven't read it. That's part of the part of it is well, I think they read it, but part of it is that it shows a fundamental um, misunderstanding about how certain people are wired. Mm -hmm. So, which brings us to the topic, right? <clears throat> so, one of the things that I wasn't really familiar with um, uh, before before I met my son was what a neurodivergent person was. So uh, my son is neurodivergent, uh, and I've met many, many people and kids who are neurodivergent um, because they tend to... Um, Diverge? Well, they tend to <laughs> uh, congregate, hang out together. They tend to have commonalities in terms of what <clears throat> their differences are. Okay. Okay. So, um, so, I, so I thought we would talk specifically about what so is a neurodivergent. Well, what a neurodivergent person is, and and well, because uh, you know, I uh, I am the president of my son's, well, my son's former school, which right. is a school that specializes in kids that are 
called E2 or sure. twice exceptional, right. which uh, which means that they both have a very strong strength. They almost all are quite gifted. Right. And then they also have something that is the other side, the yin to the yang. Sure. Are you the president now? Yeah, I'm still the president. Okay. I, I am actively working to try and change that. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> so neurodivergent um, is uh, describes people whose brain differences affect how how their brain works. Okay. Means they have different strengths and challenges from people whose brains don't have those differences. Mm -hmm. um, they they can be medical disorders, learning disabilities, all kinds of other conditions. Um, they also have potential strengths, which include, which include better memory, better ability to solve and picture three-dimensional objects easily, ability to solve complex mathematical calculations in their head, and many more. Right. So it's not really a medical term. In other words, it's really more a way to describe people using words other than normal or abnormal. Right. So it's a catch-all phrase. Yeah. So yes. it is important because there's no single definition of what a normal, what is normal for how a brain works. Right. And the word for people who aren't neurodivergent is neurotypical. And that means their strengths and challenges aren't affected by any kind of differences about how their brains work. Sure. So I presume that within even that, there's a, there is there's quite a huge, huge, variety, huge variation, variety, right? But, so, there but are, this is different than what we used to think, right? Right. People were very, uh, as in so many other things. Well, you hear stuff about yeah. people with autism, you hear, um, like, uh, and they'll talk about people being on the spectrum, the autism spectrum disorder. Right, right. Um, you probably heard of per people who were termed Asperger's, which is a, yep. um, which went out of favor and then. Oh, really? Partially. Yeah. So they stopped calling it Asperger's because they, they, they thought, and then they started, they talked about low and high functioning autism and then. And then people thought that was too judgy. So a lot of people with Asperger's now, a lot of people who would have been classified with Asperger's aren't now calling themselves Asperger's or Aspies to try and... Uh, they are or they're not? They are. Okay. Because they think it's kind of a bit of a badge of honor. Interesting. Okay. Isn't it now, I understood it with limited information to be like kind of on the spectrum of autism yes and not a separate thing it is on the spectrum of autism but it's but autism is such a huge uh right that too is <coughs> it's such no a huge uh category and it includes so many different things and it doesn't really describe much medically it describes kind of behavior more than it does uh, the reasons for it and the, the reasons oh, for autism aren't particularly well known. Interesting. But so, but, and there's, there are some who are nonverbal and incapable of. <coughs> oh, <coughs> I might have to cut that too. <laughs> incapable of, um, you know, moving very well. There's right. all kinds of stuff. So, to people who are like unbelievably skilled. Right. So, just as, and maybe you know the answer to this or not, from what you're describing, it would seem to me that neurodivergence is grounded at some level in the physiological and would not include stuff like behavioral challenges that people would have developed due to psychological trauma. So a normal brain subjected to some traumatic whatever, either a one-time trauma or or a pattern of let's say child abuse might develop some 
patterns of behavior, perhaps antisocial, or but that's not really neurodivergent. Not on its own. So people right. who have experienced trauma, and that trauma has led to, you know, uh, depressive personality disorders or or, 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 well, f- from a non-medical uh, perspective, from the people who have suffered trauma, okay. they, uh, they will have issues that they need to try and deal with. Right. But if they're neurotypical to begin with, right. um, they will, um, and it's not diminishing, um, their, the trauma that they've no, gone no. through, but they may have an easier time um, dealing with recovering from the right. trauma than somebody that might be neurodivergent because sure. they're just wired different and they respond to language differently okay. and they uh, process differently. So why yeah. this is, why this is yeah. super important. So you'd wonder just quickly if, if, because psychology is still relatively a young science right. that perhaps most of that was developed with assumptions around people who are neurotypical. So even the, the modalities of treatment might not necessarily be a good fit for neurodivergent exactly. people who also have trauma. Cause I'm sure that the two things overlap yes. a lot. Yeah. So, so, so just because <clears throat> Jesus were smart. On so you can show. have, you can Holy have, man. you can have trauma that affects somebody that's neurotypical, right? But trauma will also affect people that are neurodivergent. Well, of course. And, but sense. trauma um, can manifest itself differently right. on a person that's neurodivergent than perhaps you would expect. Right. And they might even be traumatized by, by different things, experiences. Well, exactly. So, so right. one of the things that's pretty common with a lot of neuro, um, divergent people and, and 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 i'm being super cautious because there's just such a huge collection of them like they, there right. really is huge range of them but there are some commonalities okay and the commonalities um i've seen in person and now again i'm not a medical doctor but i've seen it manifest right. uh, and there are certain specific things that they do that is interesting um okay. there's uh, there's a lot of them that uh are super literal. So uh, um, they don't get sarcasm. There's kind of like these things that are common with a lot of them. Sure. Um, uh, they're, especially if they're like um, more uh, on the autism spectrum disorder, but quite high functioning like uh, Asperger's. Right. Um, they don't react emotionally. They may understand emotions intellectually. They may understand uh, relationships and what's important intellectually, but they don't actually process the emotions the same way as a neurotypical person does right and um you know they can tend to be very smart like being able to do things that seem that they're really difficult for or more challenging or take more um uh, planning in order to be able to do so like uh, doing uh intensive calculations some neurodivergent people they can do it all in their heads right whereas most people myself included would have to sit down and i have to write everything down and figure out everything slowly the one cancel out this term well my nephew is 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 on (laughs) starting yet he's neurodivergent and he um he's he's it's not a photographic memory but you when you teach him anything, he only needs to be taught once, and he gets very frustrated if you repeat. Oh, interesting. So, interesting. so he uh, right. he gets concepts the first time, sure, 
and he doesn't understand like he had a really hard time in school because in math what is the thing you do you do a math problem and then you do another one and you right. do another one so to, he's like i got he's it. going like let's move on i got it let's move on yeah, and so yeah, he really yeah, struggled yeah, with why are you giving me these make work projects so i guess <laughs> it's kind of interesting if you think about popular culture uh i guess the character of sheldon on the Big Bang, Sheldon is is, is a neurotypical example Aspie. of a neuro. Yeah, so he is he is what a lot of neurotypical people think of as an uh, as a um, an Aspie, but really it's pretty sugar coated. Okay? Yeah, so, so it's one it's one dimensional, it's and, very one dimensional because possibly the kind quite, of thing we won't see repeated. On you know in TV shows going down Normal. the line, right? It's a bit like how you used to portray other groups of people, very very typical uh, stereotypically. So where this becomes fascinating in terms of the book about Elon. Oh yes, back to Elon. Is that I'm reading this? I'm going, holy shit! This guy is totally neurodivergent. He is like textbook. Oh really? Neurodivergent and. You know, he complained, there's lots of complaints about how his father treated him and how he was abusive. And I'm going, like, this is abuse that stems from the father being also neurodivergent. And one of the things right, I've learned in the school genetic, is right? that the apple doesn't fall usually very far from the tree. So if you have a kid who is neurodivergent, there's a pretty good chance right. one or both of the parents is also sure. neurodivergent. Are you saying Newton was neurodivergent? I don't know. He never had children. Different yet. apple. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the. Uh, so that probably complicates things. So it's very, well. it's pretty clear that at least Errol Flynn, who is. Uh, um, um, not Errol Flynn. Errol, <laughs> Errol Flynn. Errol Musk. Oh, who okay. is uh, Elon Musk's um, father. Father. Right. And May Musk, who is his mother. Okay. They both, they're in the stories as they're described. They're kind of sh they're stories that would be consistent with somebody that I would expect would be neurodivergent. Oh, interesting. And Elon absolutely is neurodivergent. Sure. Now the catch is, if you're neurotypical and you see a decision made by somebody who is neurodivergent, and you you would say like that guy's just being an asshole. Right. 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 Um. That probably doesn't really uh, fully comprehend what's going on. Sure. To me, the description from Kara and um, and uh, Scott Scott is uh, somebody that is unfamiliar with neurodivergent people mm. and under misunderstanding why he made certain decisions and why he does things the way that he does. Right. And in hearing the description now, from, do they? I haven't watched yet, but I haven't listened to that particular episode. Do they? Do they allow some room for their lack of familiarity, no. or do they just carry on and they just go like, "Yeah, it doesn't explain why he does this." Okay, and I'm going like, totally explains why. He so does it's it. that was it type one ignorance? You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, it, yeah. it's exactly, and and right. I, I think about this with Kara. So Kara has been quite successful. Right. She, she is. She might be neurodivergent. She may be a little bit. And and here's the thing that I re, I've come to understand and expect that is even people that are neurotypical, 
it's it's a range so like sure. everybody has Everybody's little bits of some kind of spectrum. they have some aspects where they're stronger where they're weaker where yeah. they deal with these things so it's you know it, it's i mean well, we as humans so want to yeah. classify so there's everybody been tools like i did the the gallup 33 oh, i don't know what that is uh it's it's another one of these uh I think it's got a little bit more robustness. Like a personality than, test? Uh, yeah, it's more of a traits test, okay. right? So it, first of all, it doesn't try to boil it down into like four categories, right? Yeah. yeah. It's actually, uh, yeah, there's 33 separate traits and it measures you on uh, all of those. And then you're like, you know, you could go look at different directions. Let's say it's predominantly based for, you know, professional development and, and vocational stuff. It's well, okay. You know, if you're strong in these eight yeah, yeah, and then this is kind of generally the direction you should go at. Right. Again, with got caveats, right. Well, we're not saying don't do what you want to do, but just like take this into it. But yeah, it's, it's quite in depth um, as opposed to like, yeah, some of the other ones were like, you know, you're blue green. Okay, seems pretty simplistic. Yeah. But I think it's aimed at well, neurotypical people, but even within that, recognizing that there's a lot of variation. I mean, 33 traits, how many combinations would that be, right? Yeah. Millions of different ways of combining. Well, exactly. And that. I think, so the thing about neurodivergent is, especially people who are on the autism spectrum, there are some they, like they tend to be there. There are lots that tend to be quite brilliant at certain things, right? So they'll have something that's like, and it's almost like a super strength. So like if you have eight, and and they the, a lot of these people have what they, they'll call them comorbidities. It's basically Again, other things. Nice language. Yeah, it's, that sounds terrible, but it it's <laughs> other things that they have at the same time. Right. So, um, so like you might have, uh, be on the spectrum, you may have ADHD, you may have an anxiety disorder, you may have all of these other things. Yep. And, uh, I mean, anxiety is basically, um, the best way that it was described to me is when you have an anxiety disorder, it's like a fire alarm, right? Fire alarm goes off. Uh, now ideally a fire alarm goes off when there's a fire. Now, somebody with anxiety has the fire alarm going off all the time, regardless of if there's a fire or not. Mm. So you respond as if there's a fire, but there's no fire. Right. And, uh, and ADHD, which, um, you, know, you know, attention deficit uh, hyperactivity disorder is also got all kinds of things, but a lot of, peop a lot of people have difficulty focusing attention when they have ADHD. Sure. But, <clears throat> but only in things that they're not interested in. Right. So neurotypical right. people can, can pretend <laughs> to, like can pay enough attention to things they don't like doing. Right. Whereas somebody with ADHD, they really can't. So the end result is if they're interested, they can really, they have, it's like a superpower. They right. can hyper-focus. <clears throat> sure. Uh, you can't get them off. Right. Uh, so to me, being an armchair, armchair psychologist, I, I think that uh, Elon Musk, A, is on the spectrum. He has described himself as a bunch of different things without actually getting a proper diagnosis. Sure. So uh, he says he's, you know, maybe he's bipolar. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but more particularly, Again, he ha describes it, himself as being Asperger's. And the thing that yeah. really... Good on him, because why, why get categorized 
into some narrow definition. Right? Well, and I think he also has ADHD. He's like, I am above this. For sure. ADHD, yeah. because there's times when he's in rooms and he zones out. And then other times and he's just so hyper-focused. Right. But, but, but isn't thing- one of the things about him, like he's... Because he's running all these companies. Yeah. And they say, like, it's it's almost like a switch. Like, when he's doing Tesla, like, he's got it. Like, he's yeah. got the vision. He's got the long-term, like, and then and the minutia of, because he's a little bit like Steve Jobs that way, right? Like, he's he's kind of paying attention. He may not have the same aesthetic, but he's paying attention to all the small details as well as the big picture. Yeah. And then when so- he goes over to SpaceX, he's like, you know, like, don't ask him a Tesla question when he's in SpaceX mode, because he'll be like, what are you asking me about that for? Like, I'm here working on this, maybe, solving these maybe, problems. Maybe, maybe not. And I, I have to admit that I have not completely okay. finished the book. Well, for, that's what I heard. Like, for, not, uh, yeah. for Elon. But there is definitely a thread that runs through it. Uh, first of all, Elon is very, very smart. He's very, you may not agree with him on a, a bunch of things. Um, he is emotionally uh, challenged yes. because he does not respond to things and process emotions the same way as right. other people. So do. empathy is probably uh, it's, it's something a, that he understands intellectually, but sure. not he doesn't experience it the same way emotionally. Right. So one of his uh, so the president, the CEO or president of Tesla, is this woman. And uh, her, her name is like Glenn something or other. And uh, she has been working for Elon for 20 years. Wow. And she has a way of, um, she's a, she, very smart. She's a former engineer. She is um, um, very intellectually savvy. Mm-hmm. But when she first met Elon, uh, he reminded her of her ex-husband oh and her ex-husband who had asperger's and what was really to me was really telling is and you see this like a lot of relationships that elon has over time some of them last a long time and those are the ones that people just accept him for the quirkiness right is elon sure but it is lots that fall apart because they can't accept some of his behavior which is a manifestation of his personality now right this glenn who she uh, says, I just approached him the same way I would approach my ex-husband. And it didn't seem like acrimonious or whatever right, with the ex-husband. Right. Yeah. And it it's clear that she gets him. Okay. And as a result, she's worked for him for 20 years and she he has confidence in her. And mm-hmm. there's, I mean, he's definitely a strong personality, definitely... And and you see this all through the SpaceX stuff. The stuff he accomplished in SpaceX is pretty amazing. Right. The stuff he accomplished in uh, Tesla also amazing um, because of his um, his drive and his passion and all that stuff. And I can see why this has showed up in uh, Twitter. And I can see why people on the outside, not knowing much about Elon, would be very confused about what he's doing. But to me. Um, Seeing what he did with Twitter is very consistent with what he did at sure SpaceX. It's maybe just more public. It's just more public, and people are going like, "What about how do you reward this bad behavior? This bad behavior is the same behavior he did at SpaceX, right?" So he may just turn it around, and people will be like, "Because it hasn't died yet." He might, and uh, I haven't gotten to the Twitter section of the book yet. Yeah, 
but uh, it's gotten pretty far along yeah. and I'm about halfway through it and it's fascinating, but, and I'm not excusing Elon. I, I don't know if I would like him if I met him. I probably could not work for him. Um, but I bet you there are people who would, and it would be fascinating because sure. he works on super interesting things and he challenges people in a way by having this vision for things that is very far reaching right. in a way that's not super obvious. Well, and, and ultimately, uh, I mean, I don't know what his deep down motivations are. Obviously he's extremely wealthy, but he talks well, he is about, now. you know, he talks about the Tesla, you know, thing is about getting us to a, a more sustainable uh, energy regime mm -hmm. and the SpaceX thing is about making the human race multi-planetary so that we don't get wiped out. So he seems to have, you know, lofty visions well, that are stuff, altruistic and, and, his, and, and, and way beyond what the average person would set as a goal, you know, most people are like, ah, you know, like let other people worry about that. But he's like, no, like we can do this, right? Or at least move that, the ball up the field. So he's also an enormous risk taker. He is, his tolerance for risk is through the roof. Right. Now, does he take a lot of personal physical risks? Yes. Oh, he does. I didn't know that. He has. Yeah. And he is, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, I mean, Walter Isaacson is a good storyteller. Yeah. And um, there, I might pick it up. It sounds interesting. It, it, it is I liked really his book on Steve Jobs. So I liked his, I liked his writing style. Yeah. And uh, well, and there's a prologue. Uh, well, in, at least in the Audible book, uh, he actually reads the prologue and it's fascinating. Uh, Walter Isaacson. Walter does. Isaacson. Yeah, he's not, got a, he's got Elon. this, uh, no, he's from, uh, I think he's from Louisiana. So he's got this. Uh, bit of a drawl. Bit of a drawl. Yeah. It's super interesting. Uh, so anyway, the, the thing about it is that, uh, and you know, maybe I'll report once I finish the book, what, uh, what. Uh, it takes a turn at the end. Yeah. This guy is nuts. <laughs> well, I could see that people would be, even as far as I've gotten, would be saying, this guy is nuts. But when I, because I'm, because over the last a, 10 years, I've, a had, lot of so, crazy, I've yeah. had so much experience with dealing with neurodivergent. So right. a typical thing for a neurodivergent person is, um, they have troubles communicating. And if you hear uh, it like talking, especially in public, and if you hear Elon talk, he stutters and stammers. He's not a very right. good public speaker. No, no, not a lot. Of um, a lot of neurodivergent people will prefer to communicate in writing where they can actually spend the time and, sure. and, and then, you know, where you're looking for a short email that might say, I'll see you Friday, you would get like a tome from uh from a neurodivergent right. person so i've got received uh emails from people especially related to the school um where like i would get things that were like you know 15 pages long with uh, annotations and footnotes and all that stuff where i really only needed like a paragraph right right, right? and like I got I got it on the first page. TLDR. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> TLDR is a very common thing. Right? And uh, they just don't get that. Well, they said, you need more information. You need more information. I'm going, I do not need more information. Yeah. Please summarize. Yeah. So um, anyway. Um, I think somebody sent me a text one time and they're like, we should make these, you know, our texts, you know, more succinct. You know, they said like, okay, question mark. 
So I just responded, okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I win, baby. <laughs> I win. If you try to beat one, one thing, you know, just a dot. dot. Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. Um, the uh, So anyway, so the thing about, so, so for me, the thing is trying to, trying to find ways for neurotypical people to understand and accept people that are neurodivergent for what they are. They're just different. Oh, good luck. They think differently. Wow. <laughs> well, and it's not that they're stupid or they're, they're smart. That's no. not really the good way. It's not a good measure. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm more commenting in somewhat despair of the fact that we can't seem to get people except other people up for anything. Right. right. Like there's just so much judgmentalism and uh, yeah, like particularly on one side of the spectrum. And I don't mean the neurodivergent spectrum. You mean the political spectrum. Well, the social, yeah, or, or the social spectrum. Well, I think. Who I, I think accept nothing of difference. So add on to that. Oh yeah, you also have to accept people who like think differently, true, and process information differently. I mean, I I, I despair a little. Yeah. Um, not that there wouldn't be certain uh, intersectionality, right? Like you see kids who are perhaps expressing themselves in socially uh, challenging ways that probably have a neuro neurodivergent factor as well, right? Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I, I went I'm, to, I'm, I'm assuming. Like, I, went to the, I went to this conference last weekend that was a photography conference. So oh, you yeah. went to Ottawa, I went to Fort McMurray. I don't know. Oh, who, had right. a better, who had a better time? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I got to hang out with a bunch of very, very cool, interesting photographers. Sure. But why was it in Fort McMurray? Just um, cheap, cheap conference space? No, because there is a, please, there was an organizing committee that, that was in Fort McMurray. Well, so the last one was in Edmonton. <laughs> they had the national one in Canmore. Okay. So they basically were just trying to move it geographically around. Still within the province of Alberta, though. It is. Okay. So, well, it was an Alberta regional. Oh, place. I see. Okay. So, um, but uh, it... Uh, uh, it was interesting. I think there are a lot of people who react to, first of all, a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to news, like none, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people who don't, are uninformed I about I everything. I envy those people on some level. I actually wrote that in my journal the other day. Like, it's that. Ignorance is bliss. Well, yeah, but it's a real challenge, right? Because on the one hand, if you are, if you isolate yourself from that, and I mean, let's face it, there's some potentially some big stuff coming down the pipe, you know, from the perspective of our, uh, our civilization, then you're ill prepared to deal with it. On the other hand, if you immerse yourself too far down the rabbit hole, it can also, it, it becomes almost you know, paralyzing. Right? Yes. So it's that striking that balance of, uh, well, and even uh, now it's really difficult to and find. Then, then the bias is on top of it. And you have to swim through all of that and say, well, here I have a piece of information, but you know, can I trust it? Can I trust it? Is it, is it, is it reliable? Well, yeah. Is it the full story or is it obfuscating a bunch of the other side? And Oh my God, who's got time for that? I'm going to go watch something on YouTube. Hey, a monkey washing a banana. <laughs> hey, I feel, I feel better. Good. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got it. 
Well, and so there you go. we sum up the, the problem with our with our culture right we're now. We're not laughing at It's that. too much. I'm gonna go do something stupid that makes me feel good. <laughs> exactly. Well, and and fundamentally, uh, I mean, my wife is really concerned that we're living in a post facts world where basically we can't agree on basic facts I about know. things. It's insane. So, um, and, and just <laughs> the a con- lot of good memes about that. Well, the but conspiracy yeah, stuff is going crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah. It's Tuesday. How do you know it's Tuesday? I, I, my watch I, says it's Tuesday. I due. question the, the premise government of your, controls the watch. Exactly. Why? Why? Why only seven days? Who said we should only have? Maybe we should have eight days. Maybe we should have at her. <laughs> exactly. Right, but we're getting to that point. Oh, it's bad. Right, like what time is it? Well, time is very subjective, right? We all agree that this is the time. Yeah, I, I, I guarantee someone's going to lose it about daylight saving time. And they'll see it as some sort of conspiracy, you know, imposition on, well, how dare the government tell me it's only five o'clock. It's, uh, it's four o'clock. Yeah. It'd be worse in the spring. Like the government stole an hour from me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn Trudeau. Exactly. Trudeau they stole took, an hour from me. But they're getting it back in the fall. Oh yeah. Um, but it's, it's excessive taxing. What man. are they doing? I want, I want interest on my hour. <laughs> I want an hour and 10 minutes. Exactly. Uh, well, we're from Alberta, so we demand 53% God. of that hour. Hey, I heard Christian Freeland said they're do- the feds are going to do the math. Yeah. And they'll be sending the memo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're here's, just going to slide yeah, across exactly. the table and yeah. say, here you go, 12%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not uh, 53, 12. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I heard an interesting... I hope they negotiate with us like we negotiate with children. We want 53. All right, 10. Whoa, hey, wait. You're going the wrong way. Exactly. Keep it up. Keep it up. It'll be nine. <laughs> Keep it up. Nine. Um, anyway, so to wrap up the discussion about neurodivergent, so there are a whole bunch of people out there. Yes. That do not, their brain is wired differently than most people. And as a consequence. Are there more of them now than there was before? Is this, are we seeing an evolution? I don't think so. I think what we're seeing is they, um, there's more opportunities for them to be aware of their, their, uh, of what makes them tick. Right. Well, certainly when we were kids, uh, (laughs) It was a bit of a catch-all, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are the people in that class over yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Right, and, certain, and now, and and now certain, they, they're and a bit more words applied yeah. to... Uh, but, but it's... Uh, but, but just because... So if you... So a couple of uh, characteristics that are common, they tend to be very literal. Right. So if you say something, they say... So for example... <laughs> My nephew, who is on the uh, autism spectrum, when he was like eight or nine, he's at my my house. He's visiting, and uh, he found my stereo. I had this fancy stereo, and he's pressing all the buttons like mad, right? And I said, uh, "Hey, that's not a toy." And he turned to me and said, "I know it's not a toy. It's a stereo," and it's like. So my it's not a toy was supposed to say it's not a toy 
quit messing around Stop with touching. all the buttons. Yeah. And from him, it's like, yeah, you just identified it's not a toy. I know it's not a toy. Yeah. Like, Interesting. So it's that literalness yeah. Yeah. of, and so nothing, I see it Nothing with, gets over my head. I would snatch it out of the air. <laughs> exactly. That is, a, that is a very, that would, that is a great example of the literalness yes. of what they say. So they'll say things that is super precise. Right. In terms of, they sure. also will typically think they have said things or expressed things because somewhere in what they said, there was like a little nugget that ah, was, for them was obvious. Right. For you, not so much. That's, I didn't get that. I yeah. didn't get that from this. Right. And, they don't, and they have a real, I already told you already. Like, yeah. When did you tell me? What did you tell me? Well, I'm not telling you again. I already told you once. Right. And it's, uh, so, so that's the thing. They tend, a lot of them uh, are, um, exceptionally gifted at something right it could be math it could be pattern recognition it could be rubik's cubes it could be whatever right sure and they're so that um the other thing is they tend to prefer um uh, opportunities to respond not uh not verbally but more right. in something written now controversial comment here but would the 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 uh, idiots of all category fit totally is that totally but it's fair, just, now that's really extre fairly extreme right? no but it, it but the idiot savant to me is a narrow sliver of this right that's right? what i'm it saying it's, like, it's and a it's very a, small and it's and an somewhat over, extreme and it's an oversimplification of it sure so um it you know and again i am not a psychiatrist or uh um, but I have spent uh, a lot of uh, neuroscientists, neuroscientists, but I have spent a lot of yeah. time with people that are neurodivergent. Because sure. remember there was that, there was, of course, because we're fascinated by the extremes, there was a bunch of stories back in the 90s about folks that fell into that category. I remember there's a, he's probably quite old now. He may not even still be alive, but there was a gentleman who had been, he was born with, he was blind and then he had, you know, a number of other um, cognitive impairments, but he could play the piano. He would hear a song one time and he was able to recreate it exactly and remember it, you know, that to me, I, I and I always thought to me, that's like that part of the brain is so hyper activated, yes. you know, that like, any of us could do that if we could somehow activate that part of your, the brain. But for this individual, the other parts are sort of dampened. That well, there was another. Uh, I remember he was sort of uh, from England. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what you call people who are black in England. Black English guy. <laughs> Same thing. But his skill was he he would be able to reproduce with uh, uh, charcoal these phenomenal landscapes, right? Like yeah, he would yeah. just sit there and he'd be like, they'd be like, you know, draw us the parliament building. He would just like within minutes, he's sketching this. It's like amazing. Right. But again, narrowly focused, activated part of the brain. Well, and I think, I think, uh, so the, a lot of the ones that we really notice are the ones that are super narrowly focused, but what, what I think sure, is more because they're common, noticeable, right? what are more common are ones that are, broadly like hyper 
focused. Right. So they'll have a bunch of different things and it may not be like a superpower. Yeah. So the super, like the, like the examples of the idiot savants tend to be like extreme. Right. 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 And, um, most people aren't that extreme and, and, you know, even neurotypical, there's so much variation within neurotypical people. There are people who are uh, smarter at math and smarter at words and smarter at, uh, at this, um, or more capable and more empathetic, um, but the, the, the uh, so, so, uh, talked about the literal literalness, right. the, um, the, uh, a lot of the strengths that they, they tend to emotionally not process things the same way, mm-hmm. uh, a neurotypical person does. So what appears to be, um, uh, behavior issues may just be, uh, a processing issue. They just don't process the same way so it doesn't mean it's bad or it's wrong it's just different and um well and what is you know it's interesting i I know we don't want to go too long here but perhaps in a way it's the it's the ultimate example of that sounds like a you problem exactly because what's behavior it's kind of a set agreed upon social construct and these people are just perhaps coloring outside those lines and to the rest of us who have become, I don't know, not enamored, but like almost programmed to behave a certain way. If it doesn't fit, right? Well, I think like eye contact, for instance, oh, yeah. that's a socialized yeah, sort of and thing. Eye contact where you expect is... a certain kind of some eye contact, but not too much. Right. So somebody who is either uncomfortable with any eye contact or who is like, yeah, or like, like boring India, other comments... it doesn't fit in that narrow what we've sort of all come to be typical and then you're like holy it was weird like yeah okay it felt weird but you know it's okay (laughs) well and i think neurotypical people are more able to deal with those bumps bumps. wasn't laser vision burn your hat you're good well but where (laughs) where where neurodivergent people struggle um and where neurotypical people struggle with those neurodivergent people is when they have to interact with them. Sure. And, um, and those interactions can be fraught with, um, uh, significant emotions, a lot of, a lot of turmoil can be rages, all kinds of stuff. Right. So, anyway, I didn't want to belabor it. Yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. big thing Fascinating. was, the big thing was Elon exemplifies a lot of behaviors that are present in a lot of neurodivergent people. He is clearly incredibly smart. However, the way he channels it and what he does is very particular. He does the same. He has done the same thing at PayPal. He did the same thing at at SpaceX. He did the same thing at, um, um, the boring company. Uh, yeah. Well, Tesla, yeah. uh, open AI started, founded, op- he's right. one of the founders of open AI, yeah. which is chat GPT. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, uh, he's been working on XAI for a while. So, so and Kara and Scott just don't get it. I just don't think they get it. I, I think Kara probably she's worked on her own. She's, she was quite successful a number of years ago. She hires her own staff. She's going to hire a particular type of person, a neurodivergent person would never get hired by her. Right. And then as a result, she probably has no experience meeting or seeing them in a way that very you limited. would provide, yeah. you provide good insight into them. Sure. Anyway. Interesting. Um, media. Media. Uh, so I have seen okay. this incredible TV series. Why don't you start? It's eight episodes. Okay. 
It is amazing. Oh, yeah? It'll blow your mind. Okay, what's it called? It's called Bodies. Bodies. It's from Netflix. Okay. It is a, it's like a long movie. Okay. Um, because it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay, okay. Uh, it is, you're going and you're watching through the whole thing right to the very end. Interesting. You have no idea where it's going. So is it is it a dramatic series? It or is. Documentary? Or? It is. A, no, it's a, it is fiction. <laughs> I hope okay. it's fiction. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, so it is, uh, a combination of sci-fi, um, murder mystery. Okay. Detective. Um, as well as, uh, it's incredibly well written from a plot. There's a thriller aspect to it because there, you know, there's time dependent things. Okay. And, um. Ooh, is it set like in, in Victorian? It is set in f- uh, four different times. Okay. So, I and, love and, but, and, shows I, about and I don't, Victorian era. I don't want to give more than that away because that's already giving a little bit away. Okay. Um, but, uh, it I've is, got it here on my phone. It I'm is. watching this. Absolutely worth watching. Awesome. I would be cool. super interested to hear your take on it when okay. you watch it because it is uh, eight hours. I'll watch it tonight. Eight hours. <laughs> it is. It is unbelievably okay, I'm good. Check it, it out. is super tightly cool. written. I saw it. I saw the when you said it. And I looked at the uh, the thumbnail there on on. I said, "Oh yeah, I saw that pop up in the in whatever they." They always highlight certain series. Well, I got recommended to my wife. Okay. My wife watched the first one. I said, we got to watch this okay. together. And I'm then I it. started watching it. I'll and watch I'm it. just like, absolutely. It's like, be good. you got to be careful, though, because it's one of these things is you go like, you watch one and you go like, and then what? And then what? <laughs> Don't have to be that careful. No, but wow. What I'm saying is you I might end up binging more. I'm, I won't watch it while I'm driving. And don't, don't watch it when okay. it's like started at. 11 o'clock sure. at night or you will be up all yeah, night. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'll be gaming time. Uh, <laughs> we watched, well, first of all, I watched uh, justified. Did you ever watch the show? I, I watched it early and I didn't watch all of it. Okay. First. So I've, I finished uh, the prime the 20 uh, city primeval. primeval. And uh, I think they're going to do a, a follow-up because uh, Boyd is back oh, at the okay. very end. So there's big spoiler, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't care. Uh, last night I watched John Wick Four, which not sure if I have, which was really good. Okay, except it's almost three hours long. Oh, so like the, so the story was good, and it's got Donnie. Uh, I want to say he was oh, in Donnie Osmond. No, he he was in um, uh, Rogue, Rogue One. No, he's a he's an Asian actor, big martial arts guy in like the hong kong martial arts okay uh, so he played sort of the blind quasi jedi his first name is donnie and i think it's i don't want to mispronounce it. anyways he's in it as sort of the protagonist sort of friend okay and uh lawrence fishburne is back like all the regulars so the story was excellent but it was a bit indulgent like the fight sequences were just a little longer yeah well i was sort of comparing i was telling my son today like yeah, I watched Equalizer 3 a couple weeks ago. Excellent movie. Um, the violence in Equalizer is quite over the top. Realistic. Okay. In a certain sense, right? Yeah, it's like shockingly over the top, but it's realistic. In John Wick, really not so much, right? Like <laughs> and it's gotten crazier. Cause like I say, Isaac, they they have this one thing they established, it might have been in the first or second one where they get these suits made that are bullet, like they're supposed to be like Kevlar. Yeah. They look like a business suit, right? Yeah. 
okay, okay, you know, sure, sure. Uh, it's well known that even if you're wearing like actual Kevlar and you get shot, it hurts. It hurts right? a lot. Yeah. In this movie, like they're, just, they're they're draping like you know behind the coat, and the guy's shooting at him from like five feet away, you know, with an automatic weapon, and it's just like. Ooh, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, then bang, 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 bang. You know, it's like if you got shot. Oh, there's one sequence where he's supposed to going up these stairs to uh, Sacré-Cœur in Paris, and there's all of these impediments, right? Yeah, all yeah. these people are trying. And then he, at one point, he he gets thrown on the stairs, and he rolls down like like a ridiculous amount of stairs. Like, and then he gets like, up. Like when you were a kid, going down a hill, and then you know, like you'd force yourself to keep rolling. This is kind of what it looks like because he rolls down about a dozen stairs. And he keeps going. It's <laughs> just like, how long is this movie? So that was uh, a bit much. Um, and then last night with the family, we watched uh, an oldie boy, 1989, um, Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I hadn't watched I, I saw it way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kids were kind of curious about it. What a great movie. Okay. Young Samuel L. Jackson uh, as the DJ. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. Uh, John Turturro. And there's that whole sequence when they're all of the different uh, ethnicities are calling out like another ethnicity. Yeah. Are they sitting there going? No, it's just standing there. No West Side Story? No, it's just like, uh, um, not Wesley Snipes. What the hell's his name? The guy who directed it. It's Uh, gone. uh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Right? Talking about the Italians. Italians talking about the blacks. Irish cop talking about the Hispanics, you know, and so forth and so on. And then the whole thing is kind of pointless at the end of it, right? And but that's sort of the whole point. Is I don't know if you remember the movie, but there's some. It's a hot day in Brooklyn. You got all these different ethnicities crammed in this neighborhood, Bedford Stuy, I think, and it all just erupts, you know, over something kind of minor, but these big divisions, and then it's just chaos. And at the end, it's all just sort of like, you know, like what was that all about? Like nobody can really put their finger on it. Brilliant movie. Okay. So, yeah. Well, I think that's it for okay. this one. Uh, we go. Oh, I'm going to see Five Night at Freddy's tonight, the movie. Five Night at Freddy? Yeah. Is that in a movie theater? I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you, you know the game? No. I'm surprised your son was not into that. What is it? Oh, man, it's a whole mythology of books. It's it's basically kind of like a horror animatronic. It's, it's like Chuck E. Cheese Pizza. Except it's Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, and uh, there's a whole mythology of of these uh, animatronic animals. Where are you going? Being, uh, it's playing at the Tamarack Mall. Okay. Yeah. So Isaac used to be a massive fan of the mythology, probably when he was younger than he should have been. Right? He's played some of the games. Games we have one in a VR. It is absolutely terrifying. I mean, it's simple premise, but man. Like everybody plays it at one point, you pull off the helmet and you're like, Oh geez, like I can't take it. <laughs> so this is the movie version. So I'm going to, I'm going to go see that with he and I. It's all good. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where it's at, but yeah, I'll let you know next week what it was like. Okay. Okay. Sounds really good. Sounds good. Have a great week. Yeah. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.